Thank you so much that you're part of this broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. What a privilege to just have you with us today. I know that you're going to be impacted by the Word of God's unconditional love. To all those people that are first-time viewers of Dynamic Web Church, I want to welcome you especially. And I know that this gospel is a gospel that will produce life in your hearts. I've seen it so many times. We've got so many wonderful, wonderful testimonies that we receive from this website and from Dynamic Web Church. Where people say, it is God that led me to this website. It is God that, that brought this message over my path via Dynamic Ministries um, and God was leading me to this site. So, um, I want you to relax. I want you to know that you are in a place where you can feel safe um, in the presence of God. Where you're not sitting in the presence of a God, of a God that wants to judge you. We're in the presence of God that wants to remove all condemnation, all judgment, and all fear from your heart so that you can be established in what God uh, has done in Jesus Christ. And that is to have life and have life more abundantly. One thing I want you to know in, uh, is this, that the law system, the system of rules and regulations, and you doing everything to please God, to get God, to just smile over your life, that system does not produce life. But the system that says that God did everything on behalf of man, that system does produce life and has got great fruit. We are in a series where we talk about fruit and where we discuss how easy it is to bear fruit and how easy it is to see the manifestation of the life of God in the lives of people. And we're going to continue with that today. But before that, I want to read a scripture and, um, <clears throat> and then we're going to go into worship. It says here... In John chapter 3 verse 16, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible that can be quoted by most people. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <clears throat> now that is a powerful, powerful scripture. It says there that God so loved the world that He gave His Son, that whosoever believes... That word believes means to, to rely upon, to rest your mind in the person of God. That person, is, 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 oh, that person will be saved. That person will have life and life in abundance. And that is what God has come to give to us. And that's what He says. He says He gave His Son. And uh, that was the manifestation and the act of love towards us. So that whosoever rests their minds in what he has done, there might be saved, or should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, isn't that awesome? So, I want to just say this. Um, God did not come to condemn you. So, any ministry that there is, is not supposed to be there to bring forth condemnation and judgment into this world, but salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, there's a, um, <clears throat> Isaiah prophesied and said that this good news is so good that even if, if people tell it to you, that you will not believe it. Um, now, that doesn't speak about everybody. That scripture is quoted in Acts 13 from verse 40. And uh, where he says, let this, not be, let this prophecy not be fulfilled in you, which says, you know, um, that there are those that admire the work of Jesus Christ and then despise it. So, 
Um, I want to say to you that this good news is so good that you can open your heart and say, God, I'm ready for something that is so good that um, it is almost too good to be true. And I've got a willingness to yield to the belief that comes in my heart as I hear this unconditional love. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go over to worship. And um, we're going to just, man, if you don't know the songs, um, well, I just want to say this. I accidentally deleted all the worship songs and all the messages and everything from Graystream Television and had to upload everything again. So we have not come to the upload of the songs, um, of many songs with subtitles. So um, if there's a subtitle with a song, it's a blessing. Sing with, enjoy this. Um, otherwise, if you don't know the song, just listen to this and let this music and the words that you hear prepare your heart for the gospel of God's unconditional love. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us and that we can just worship and sing these beautiful songs to, to you. Thank you, my God. You're an awesome, awesome God. Thank you for your unconditional love. Hallelujah. Well, wasn't that awesome? I like that song that says, from everlasting to everlasting, and, and that for the glory of it all. And this was the glory of God. This is the glory that reigns over the head of God. And that is that He came to this world to rescue us all. And so whosoever believes on Him, that they might be saved. Right, I want to speak a little bit before we get into the word for today about finances. And... Um, what we're going to talk about is taken from 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, and we will read from um, from verse 12. 2 Corinthians 12, from verse 12, it says, Truly the sign of an apostle were wrought amongst you in all patience, in signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches, except it be that myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up, their, uh, lay up for their parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Uh, <coughs> Though the more abundantly I love you, and less I be loved. So what Paul was saying here is very, very important when it comes to church. Um, so many times, you know, we've had a wrong understanding about finances and the kingdom of God and how money really works in the kingdom of God. And what Paul says here is actually a follow-up from 1 Corinthians where he said that um, he came and he didn't ask them any money. And he worked himself you know he worked um, he was making tents or whatever job he had and then out of that he generated funds for himself to preach the gospel so that he will not be a burden upon the people now what he basically said here was and he was basically talking about the way in which they honored him he said to them so you can read through Corinthians that the, the people in Corinth was actually the seal of his apostleship. The true proof that he was an apostle was seen in Corinth and the fruit that was coming out of his ministry in Corinth. Then other preachers came and they didn't work um, to provide for themselves, but they cared for those preachers. And to me, the, the way I see it here was it could have been 
the, the, the apostles that walked with Jesus Christ or people that was esteemed greater in the sight of the people than what the Apostle Paul was because he came in meekness and humbleness and he didn't abuse them to get money out of them. They didn't really respect him in the way they respected the other apostles. But then he came in defense of his apostleship and he said, listen man, we, the signs and the wonders and, and the patience and all those things that's supposed to be in the lives of, of an apostle was in my life. And you did see that. The only thing that makes you inferior to the other churches is actually this, that you didn't care for me and that I wasn't a burden unto you. You know, I didn't, there was no financial contribution from your side. So what he was saying was that there was places where he went to other churches where the churches did care for him and did give financially towards him. Um, but in this church, in this instance in Corinth, he didn't make... Um, he didn't make it this command and say it should be this way. And I also want to say out of the scripture that he never did that. Um, he never came to church and said, listen, I command that you give towards me. Um, because of the next verse, and this I see as a foundation in the life of Paul, out of this verse in the way or, um, from which he approached churches concerning finances. He said, behold, the third time I am ready to come to you and I will not be a burden to you. So he said, listen, um, sorry, I'm very sorry that you didn't care for me because you didn't, because you, because you didn't care for me. It was basically you thought, oh, well, you know, he pays his own way, so it can't be that important. Because out of the law, we've got this mentality that if you pay for something, it's worth something. If you get it for free, it's worth nothing. So don't listen to the gospel from a law perspective. Because if you listen to the gospel from a law perspective, or to Gracestream TV, uh, or uh, to my ministry, which is via the internet or the web, and because we don't make a demand on finances, make it inferior to the churches where you go to and where demand is made upon you to pay and to give. Now, that's all I want to basically say is, listen, don't say, well, because Gracestream TV is for free, because, you know, uh, Bertie doesn't make a demand that we must support his ministry, we must support Gracestream Television, well, we're going to see that as inferior to uh, ministries that comes and say, you must tithe, you must give, and then out of that money, you know, uh, broadcast all over the world, it's got big cars and jets and all those type of things, with money they've demanded of you, and put you under a burden. Um, the, 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 the signs of, of a true ministry, the signs of a ministry that is marked by the Holy Spirit has already been seen in, uh, in, in this ministry, in uh, web church, in this, um, I mean, in this website, in, in what God does. So never see this as inferior. And in the message we're gonna, uh, uh, that I've got on my heart today, we're going to talk about this and how important it is to see something for what it truly is, because that is what will bear fruit in your heart. That is the, the, the way in, at which, uh, from the perspective from where you look at something, that is going to determine the value of that in your belief system, and out of that value you're going to find the power of that. So, if you say, well, you know, this is not that important, that type of thing, you're going to find that it's got little impact in your life. And that which you see as important, that's what's going to have great impact in your life. Um, <clears throat> for what? It says, you only in fear in this sense that we didn't 
burden you with this. And then Paul says, I'm not changing my attitude. It says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you, for I seek not yours, but you. So, I want to say exactly what Paul said here. I'm not seeking your money. I'm not, I don't have this ministry, I don't have this church to see how much money we can get out of people. <clears throat> I am here because I seek you as a person. I don't want your stuff. I want you for the kingdom of God. I want you for the gospel of grace. I want you for the message of no condemnation and freedom from fear and all of that. <clears throat> for the children ought not to lay up for the parents. You know, so many times... It is, has been the other way around that the children, in other words, the people that has come to salvation through the ministry of the preacher or the apostle or the evangelist is now there to save up for the parents and their purpose is they, they must now provide everything for... It says, no, that is not the way it is supposed to be. You are not there to save up for me to enrich me. That is not what, uh, what Paul said. And then it says here, but the parents for the children. So what he's saying basically here was, he was saving up finances that came from the hearts of churches that believed in what he did. And that giving that came to the life of Paul was out of uh, a freedom and a heart that says, man, we want to support this gospel. We want to support what Paul does. And that gave him finances to go and preach to churches that did not have that revelation. But Paul was not discouraged to go to churches that didn't have that revelation because his vision was not to see what he could get out of the church of Corinth. His vision was to see who can he get to believe this gospel. And the finances came from churches like the church in Philippi that said, man, we, we, we need an opportunity. Who's going to go to Paul wherever he was in jail or wherever he was preaching so that we can send all these goods to him so that he can be strengthened when it comes to finances and to substance to live and to eat and those type of things. And then from there, um, he can minister to that area. So, I want to say to you that, <coughs> that the, the number one vision is for you to hear the gospel. And then those of you that are there that minister to, uh, to my needs and to the needs of this ministry, I want to say thank you. Exactly as what Paul did, you know. Without making a demand, without saying, listen, you must give, because that's not what we are saying. The true balance in the gospel when it comes to finances is this. Those who want to give, they give. Those who don't want to give, they don't give. And the heart of the preacher and the man who uses this money is to see who can he get to believe the gospel of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace. Man, isn't that awesome? That is just the truth about money. So many times that has been so abused, you know, the tithe and, and sowing and reaping and using people's fear and their lack in their need as a motivator and uh, um, their desire to have money as the, um, the propelling force to get finances into the ministry so that we can reach the goals that we believe God has placed for us. That's just the wrong way around. Um, Paul said, it is not wrong for people to come and to give to uh, somebody who preaches the gospel. So I'm not going to feel ashamed if somebody comes and gives towards this ministry. And we get that. People give um, online. People give, come and just give cash. People pay into the account and those type of things. We get that. And we're not ashamed of that because that is the principle by which this ministry and ministries are supposed to function according to... Um, 2 Corinthians 9. You can go and read it there. 
So we're not going to say, no, well, we're not going to receive anything if people want to give it willingly. Um, and, and we're not going to... I believe that the ministry is so blessed that we don't have to work. You know, people are giving. We don't have to work. Um, so we're not against that principle that people will give. But what I believe is I, I'm not for abusing people saying you must give otherwise God's not going to bless you. You are blessed because of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want you to believe that. Now, I want to just, uh, <clears throat> some practical arrangement is, I see that there are people that deposit money to the account, but they use the wrong cards. Um, you cannot use a normal debit card to deposit into this account. And we also find these cards that function like a credit card, but it's not really a credit card. So you cannot go into the red um, with that card. So it's a simple debit card that functions like a credit card. Those cards does not work on the system. So you must use a real, genuine credit card, um, you know, that you can go into the red with. You don't have to go into the red to give towards the ministry into debt. It must just be a, a real MasterCard or Visa card or whatever you see on the screen there for those of you that want to deposit. Thank you for those people that attempted to, um, to give finances and, and give towards the ministry. But um, uh, make sure that you use a credit card, <coughs> uh, a, a real credit card. Right. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. You're a good God. Let's go to the, to the word that I've got for today. <coughs> um, I want to just see if I can find the scripture. It came to my mind now. I think it's Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 verse 25. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Let's, no, let's, let's make it verse 23 to 25. 23 to 25. This is really going to bless you. And as you, um, you know, read this, I want you to understand what it really wants to say. Because so many times there's a wrong concept about these things. And what we're going to talk about is fruit bearing and the importance of the renewal of the mind. The importance of continual meditation upon the cross of Jesus Christ. One thing you must know for sure, and that is that we are saved um, by grace through faith. Without having faith, it is impossible to be saved. It's impossible. You cannot be saved without faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that without faith it's impossible to be pleasing unto God. It even says in, I think it's chapter 10, the last verse, it says there, uh, now, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, uh, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. Now, draw back means not to believe anymore. <clears throat> that draw back unto perdition, that perdition there is the word uttermost destruction. So, um, we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So, we believe unto salvation. They, they that believe with their hearts and confess with their mouths, they shall be saved. Now, I want to just make this so clear. And if you're a first-time viewer, don't I don't want you to experience uh, condemnation and judgment now. Because what I'm saying now is laid upon a foundation of a year and a half's ministry 
where I am explained, where I, where I've explained completely what it is to believe. In other words, faith is not something that you do; it's something that happens to you as a result of the knowledge and the hearing of the word of God's unconditional love and grace. That is what it is. So, um, <clears throat> the faith that it talks about here, it says, "Now the just shall live by faith." I want to, uh, I want to uh, um, rephrase that. Uh, to a better explanation, to re- remove all condemnation out of it. It says, now the just shall find their life in the result of hearing the gospel of grace that, came, uh, that, that resulted into a persuasion that's in their hearts, which is not of themselves, but it's a gift of God. So I want to say to you, faith is not something that's of yourself, it's a gift of God. But there's a place where you say, persuasion has come into my heart, and there's a will, decision of your will. There's a decision that comes where you must say, well, I yield to what God has given unto me. You know, it's like when somebody gets married, and there's a very good example of that in Romans chapter 7 as well. <clears throat> you know, when I saw Eliana, and when she saw me, um, we became friends and we were friends together for a year or two or whatever, and then we we felt the love in our hearts for each other. We did feel that love. We felt in love, you know. We, I mean, she was like, and and still is, the the most beautiful person that there is in, in my eyes, you know. And I am attractive to her and beautiful to her and all those type of things that she... That, that a woman's supposed to see in her husband. That is there. You know, and that was there before we got married. But then there comes a time when you see all this. You feel all these emotions and passions and drawing and power when you say, yes, I want to now be married to this person and forever I want what I experience now in my heart. That is what it is when you get married. So, <clears throat> faith works like this. Faith is not something you work up for yourself. It is something that, 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 that comes to your heart as you hear the gospel of grace. And then there comes, you say, man, I feel this persuasion of the goodness of God. I feel this persuasion that He has done it all for me. I hear this gospel that Barty preaches and that Joseph Prince preaches and that some other gospel of grace preachers preach. And I listen on Grace Stream TV. I see Stephen Willie Field and I see Alan Spiegel and I see Arthur Mankies and those guys. Oh man, this is such a wonderful word. I feel this persuasion. And then there comes a time when you say, well, this is now forevermore. I yield to this belief that comes to my heart. This is the only truth. And I rest my mind completely in that. That is when you say, well, um, <coughs> the Jesus Christ died, the lawman died, so that I could be married to another and given in marriage. And there's a very beautiful explanation of this in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, <coughs> The, the angel came to Mary or, and said to her, You will be with child and he will be the Messiah. You shall call his name Jesus and all those type of things. And then she says, How can it be since I have not even known a man? That means that she's a virgin and didn't have any sexual intercourse with anybody. Um, and, and she said, The child that you will have will be of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And supernaturally, by the word of God, um, a, a sperm will be created in your womb that uh, that's how it will be and then she said the magic word there was already the prophecy that says this is how it will be but then she said the magic word she said let it 
be done unto me. So she was persuaded that this is the way it's going to be. She was persuaded that it was of God. She, she heard faith that arose in her heart. And then she said, and this is what makes us godly. And I like the way Francois Latoy said this, also one of, um, one of the future broadcasters. I'm sure by next week we will have some of his material on awesome, awesome word of God. And this is what he says, what puts us in the very nature of God is the fact that we can salute the gospel. Hallelujah. Not that we're just like animals, you know. The gospel is there and we just continue with our life. But what makes us godly is the fact that we can hear this gospel and then salute it and say, Amen to that gospel. And that's what, what Mary did. When Mary said, Let this be done unto me, she was saluting the work of God and the prophetic word over her life. Now I want to say to you that, that there's a time when you must salute the gospel. When you say, Well... When the gospel said, all your sins has been removed. You've been made the righteousness of God. When, when you hear all those things, that God indwells you, and all of that, when you say, let this be done unto me as a person. And in that day, you experience a true life. And that is what talks about you now, the just shall live by faith. God came and He justified the, um, the, the whole world. You know, he, he came and He brought justification, according to Romans chapter 4, unto the whole world. It justifies the ungodly. That's what He's done. But the way it works, the way this life of justification for the ungodly comes to our hearts is this way. Now, the just, the just shall find their life or live by faith. But if any man draw back, in other words, does not want to believe or have faith or have the thing that Mary said, let it be done unto me, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. For he does not receive what was freely given. It's not a pleasure. You know, <clears throat> if, if I come and, and my son is in the desert and he's busy dying and I do everything for him to be saved and I bring it unto him, I share it with him, he sees the beauty of it all and then doesn't want to partake of it. Then my soul does not delight in him because he is not partaking of what gives life unto him. I'm not angry with him, but there's no delight because I cannot see the life in him that I intended for him. But, but we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. So here comes the writer of he, the book of Hebrews with a positive word and says, Listen guys, we are not of those that draw back, stirring their faith so they can believe that they are those that believe and not draw back. He says, unto perdition or utter destruction. So we're not going to come to a place where we hear this gospel of grace, this gospel of unconditional love and not believe. This beautiful love that God has for us, which will only be to the utter destruction of our lives. Not because God wants to destroy us, but because no belief is a drawing back to everything that is life. Everything that is good. It's like Peter said, you know, some of the apostles left Jesus. And um, then Jesus said to the apostles, He said, don't you also want to leave me? Uh, <laughs> don't you also want to leave me? And then they said, Peter said, Lord, where will we go? Because with you are the words of life. Isn't that beautiful? Even if all the disciples left Jesus, it wouldn't have changed the fact that by faith we are, by faith we are saved by grace through faith. It wouldn't have changed that fact. <laughs> you know, truth is not because people believe it. People be we, we've got faith because it's truth. That is the way it is. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I also want to advise you guys to listen to... Um, 
to this uh, to, to to Rav Isaac Arias. I've, I've uploaded some of his stuff onto the channel and we also broadcast that. Under the on-demand part, you can go and listen to what he has also got to say. Now, he, he's studied in apologetics and um, he's really, he's a philosopher. And he really understands the gospel and what I've listened, um, the stuff that I've listened that he said, you know, I, I haven't heard anything that I disagree with, um, you know, so obviously I haven't listened to all of his stuff. But what I've listened to is to the point that I felt that I can upload this and will really help you. You know, so, so many times there's difficult questions that we have in our hearts. You know, what about this? What about that? And he really answers, answers that. And we get these people that that's, their philosophies are so high and difficult to understand. And, and he's so clever. God has given him that wisdom. You know, like somebody would come and say, you know, if something <coughs> is not, cannot be proven mathematically and scientifically, it is not the truth. You can burn it. So in other words, what he was actually saying is, if you can't prove the Bible mathematically and scientifically, um, you can burn it. Now, the, And then this is what uh, Rabbi Zacharias would say. He says, well, the statement that he made that says you must prove something scientifically, must be, you must be able to prove that statement scientifically and mathematically, and that cannot be done, so that statement can also be burnt. You know, so he will say things like that. So I want to encourage you guys to listen to that and, and, and yield to the faith that you hear in your heart. You know, sometimes we see things and doubt wants to come to our minds. And that's why Paul comes and he writes again and again. He writes to the church in Corinth two times. He's been to them uh, twice. He says, I want to come to you again a third time. Why? Because he wants them to continue believing the gospel of no condemnation, the gospel of the by, we are saved by the works of Jesus Christ on our behalf and on our own works. That people will not fall back under the law, but that they will continue in the gospel of grace. Um, and the reason why Paul said that, the reason why he wrote again and again and again, was simply for this, it was the simple reason, because he doesn't want people to fall from grace. And he said to the people in, in, in Galatia, he said, I am afraid that I've labored for you in vain, for you are falling back to the law, and there's no salvation under them. But we must believe and continue to believe until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And, and what about the parable of the, of the virgins, the twelve wise and the twelve uh, uh, unwise, you know? There must be oil in the lamp at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that is, is simple faith. Simple faith in what Jesus Christ has done. So we want to, in, in, in Dynamic Web Church and in this website, I believe that the reason why God uh, gives this website and the reason why God has made this available in such a way and empowered us to do it this way is so that while we live and even after I've uh, um, gone to be with the Lord that this material will still be available for people to hear this forevermore you know, um, until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that people can be stirred in their faith, not to fall away from their faith, um, not to fall away from the bold confession they've made in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And what was this confession? That we are not saved by our works. That we are saved by Jesus Christ. That we are not saved by sacrifices. That we don't prosper by our giving. But we prosper by His giving. That we don't prosper by our works. But we prosper by the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go to <coughs> John. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And verse 35. 35 to 40. Listen to what Jesus Christ says here. Um, Now, I know today's message is not... You know, I'm not really explaining the gospel. What I'm talking about today is actually the importance of the continuation of belief in the gospel and the effect of fruit that it will have in our lives. We'll still get to the fruit-bearing part um, in Galatians, the end of Galatians chapter 2 and going into chapter 3. And we'll read it from the message translation. Well, um, Elena will just have to give me my Bible. I forgot to bring the message here, but that's later on. Right. Um, John chapter 6 verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Now this is a very, very powerful scripture in the Bible. And Jesus is actually speaking towards the hungering and thirsting that there is in the hearts of people. Um, Because in every person's heart, there is a hunger for righteousness. There's a desire for more holiness. It is there inside the person. And then he says, He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. So, the the context here is belief. Believing and resting your mind that complete salvation is in the one act of righteousness that Jesus Christ had when he was willing to obey on our behalf, die on our behalf, be resurrected on our behalf, and carry the curse of the law on behalf of man. Through that act of obedience, He has brought righteousness forever unto all of man. And those that believe that will never hunger and thirst after righteousness ever again. But I say unto you, that you also have seen Me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no way cast out. So, the Father has given people, and the people that come to Jesus, he will not cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will that he, that he has sent me, that all which he has given me, I should lose none, Um, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him in the last day. Isn't that so, so, so beautiful? That's exactly what Jesus Christ came to do for us. He came to, um, to give to us that eternal life, and that He will raise us up in the last day. Amen. Everyone that believes, they will be raised up in the last day. He says He is the bread of life. Let's go to verse um, 
verse 32. John 6, verse 32. We're just going to read then up to verse 35 there. It says, John 6, 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is, uh, for the bread of God is He which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. So Jesus Christ came and He said that He is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. And we're going to go on now quickly. Before we read that, um, we, we <coughs> I want to just discuss this a little bit further. He says that those who believe on Him, who are those that believe on Him? Those that rest their minds in the fact that the life of Jesus on earth was enough to make them righteous enough that in the day of the return of the Lord that they will be raised up into eternal life with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say something and, and, and I don't want you to misunderstand this but really, you know, we're getting deep today. Um, don't misunderstand this and hear what I try to say. We can't take signs, wonders and miracles as the foundation for our salvation. We can't say, because I have, you know, I've been in an accident and both my eyes was removed in an operation because I'm blind. And if I don't see today, that means that Jesus Christ, you know, the whole salvation plan doesn't work. That's not what the gospel is all about. The gospel is this, that Jesus Christ obeyed on our behalf and that in Christ we are already seen as righteous and in the return of Jesus... Now, listen, believing that is the salvation of your mind. That will have an impact in your life, in the conduct, in the way in which you live and it will have an overflow into things in your life. You, you might experience healing, you might experience those type of things and I want to say you will experience that. Um, but if there's an area where you don't experience that, that is not the foundation of your belief. Now, <laughs> what Jesus said here is what we believe is, that is, is very simple. Is that, and this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on Him may have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. So there is a lost day. And nobody can talk and argue that away. There will be a lost day in which this world will be the way in which it is today. And what we believe is that I rest my mind in the integrity of God. I rest my mind in the love of God. And this is the hope that I have. That in the last day I will be raised up to have a perfect, immortal, sinless, sickness-free body in the return of Jesus Christ, or in the last day where it is raised up. You know, there's a false doctrine going around that says that Jesus Christ brought, um, you know, salvation unto man, and we believe upon Him, and that He fulfilled prophecy, and the last prophecy that must be fulfilled is us fulfilling the manifestation of Jesus Christ. Now, that is wrong. We are not there to fulfill the manifestation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So He came and He brought righteousness as a gift unto us and by His power He did that and then through what He's done He brought faith in our hearts and then the glorification of our body will be done by Jesus. 
not by our pushing through, trying to pull it down, trying to quicken the day of the Lord or anything like that, but it will be done by Jesus. So we simply believe that and that's what we rest our minds in. Hallelujah. And while we wait for that, God sees us as sinless, God sees us as pure, God sees us as holy, He sees us as righteous. But what is very important is to be narrow-minded concerning these things. To believe this, to continue to believe it, to continue to have our hearts persuaded in the finished work of Christ so that we will not be tempted by the devil to fall back under works and in such a way reject the only salvation plan, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, um, there's no salvation outside Jesus. There is no salvation outside Jesus Christ. For there's no other name that is given under heaven by which man can be saved. And belief in Jesus, <coughs> belief in what He's done, belief in His mercy, belief in that He's a good God that will not impute my sins unto me, that is the, the channel through which grace is channeled unto you. Now, we must know one thing for sure, and that is that the fullness of grace has not been manifested. Now you might say, Bertie, you're preaching a futuristic thing. Now you must go and read Galatians, you must go and read Ephesians. It says that the fullness of grace is manifested in this. That by faith we've got access into this grace. And then it says the fullness of grace is the immortal body that will manifest, which is by grace, which is by the working of the Spirit of God in our lives and not our own efforts. So, listen man, there is still things that is to be manifested in your life, but what we do is, we rest our minds in the fact that what we experience right now is absolute freedom from condemnation, freedom from judgment, and the end of our faith is the full manifestation of all this truth in, an, in this mortal body that will turn into immortality. Now, it sounds complicated, but people, please, you know, it is not that difficult. Eliana, can you just hand me the message there, please? Thank you. I want us to go and read uh, Galatians. Galatians. And I, wa I want to get you um, and encourage you to go and listen to the broadcasts. That this, I think we've, I've only got two broadcasts on the station at the moment. And uh, I want you to know that we're not going to keep those things up all the time. We're going to keep it up for like two, three days and then take it off. Um, <coughs> because otherwise we get 300 messages after a while, you know. And we want to encourage people to watch this continually. So you guys can know it's going to be there and only for two or three days and it's going to be off. So uh, make an effort to watch it. <coughs> right, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Uh, sorry, I've missed it. the last part. It says, listen to Paul. And he's talking about um, his, his own life. We're going to read this and then we're going to go over to Philippians chapter 3 and just the importance of the renewal of the mind, the importance of, of, of listening to the Word because the Word is bearing fruit in our lives. You know, sometimes we just seek fruit bearing like, um, <coughs> well, you know, I don't, I'm not angry anymore. That is a form of fruit bearing, but the greatest fruit this word will bear in your life is you will have immortality. You will have the very righteousness of God manifesting in every fiber of your being. You'll have an immortal body, the power 
they'd raised Christ from the dead, will raise you up into eternal life in a human body. Man, isn't that awesome? That is what God brought for us. Isn't that awesome? And that's what we believe unto. You know, that is the end of our faith. Jesus Christ manifesting His full glory in our bodies. And if you want to call that the end time revival or the fullness of the revival that we are in, that you call it whatever you want. But that is what, what is what is happening. And our faith has got such great power that it can manifest the fullness of God in our lives. And I want to put the other side there. And the absence of our faith will also manifest the emptiness of no God. So, people, um, the, <laughs> we must know that the, the, I, I don't want to f- uh, scare you or bring fear in your hearts. But I want to say this to you, that the power of your faith, which is a gift of God, is so powerful that it manifests the very life of God. So, don't underestimate your faith. Don't underestimate the power of your confession. Don't underestimate your boldness in saying, I believe this good news of Jesus Christ. Don't underestimate that. Let's read there from uh, Galatians chapter 2. Now, I'm, I'm not sure about the exact verse, but in the message translation, the last part, I think it's from verse 14. It says, What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman, so I could be God's man. So, being part of the law, you cannot be God's man. You're God's man once you quit seeking justification under the law. Because if you're under the law, you are not God's man. You're a lawman. And a lawman's end is death. It's not life. The end of being God's man is life. Life in your spirit, which starts out in your spirit. It flows over into your soul. We believe unto the salvation of our soul. So we are persuaded of this certain thing. Out of this persuasion, our minds, our will, our emotions, all those things receive salvation. And the end of this is the salvation of our bodies. Clearly in Romans chapter 8. So we're not going to become despondent. Because we now see shortcomings in our lives. Because if we see a shortcoming in our life, Christ is not the minister of those things. That's not the manifestation of Christ. So, when you see a shortcoming in your body, when you see, man, like with me, I mean, I've, I've had flu now. And we believed and whatever, and now I'm being healed and I experience healing in my body. But... I'm not going to say because I had the shortcoming that I one day felt a bit depressed or uh, I felt the flu or something like that. No, well, that doesn't. Mean, there's something wrong with me. No, no. The end. I, I, I know that there's a process in this thing. The, the process is this. Jesus Christ brought salvation to the whole world. We believe that and by that we've got access into this. That w- the day you believe righteousness and Christ is deposited into you like a seed and it will grow into a full formed life. And the end of that full formed life is the manifestation of complete glorification in your body. So while you see shortcoming in your body, you see you're overweight, you see you, you, you struggle with things, don't say, well, Christ is not a good God. We believe unto the end. Amen. 
And right now, there's no condemnation for us if we see that shortcoming. And we enjoy a spiritual relationship with God that spiritually manifests so true in our hearts that it is reality and true to us. Amen. There's peace in our heart. It says, let the peace of God guard your heart. Paul says, in the midst of tribulation, being beaten up, being poor, being in jail, being all those things, we are more than conquerors in Christ. So what he's saying is, I'm not just a conqueror, I am more than a conqueror. For he conquered, and out of the way he conquered, I received the fruit of that. And that is that the death of this world, and the persecution of the church, and being in jail cannot touch my joy. Hallelujah. So even if I conquer, and I come out of jail, I'm more than that, for I live in a higher level. And then, the full manifestation of this will manifest in my body. And I'm not going to draw back unto perdition, and I'm not going to say, well, because this doesn't manifest in the fullness um, right now, trying to implement rules and laws and, and sacrifices and things to say that now th- that's better salvation. You must remember the context of, of what happened in Galatians is this. People believed unto salvation. Then, after a while, the Jewish people and the people who were zealous of the law came and said, Ah, oh, you know, where's Jesus, you know? Where's this thing you believe now? You see, Paul came and he just twisted some scriptures and he came with clever talk to you. Listen, man. We've got Moses, we've got the scriptures, you don't have to interpret anything. The letter of the word clearly says, you shall bring an animal and sacrifice a thing and be circumcised, and that's your way unto salvation. And then the people start to get persuaded about that rubbish. And as they were persuaded about that nonsense, they started to do it again, and then Paul was very radical about that. So I want to say to you, listen man. Don't find your life in what you possess, how it goes with you, what you go through, because your life is hidden with God in Christ. Don't seek your life in these earthly things. If Paul was seeking his life in the earthly things, do you think he would be happy? Do you think so? Being in jail, beaten up, stoned, left for dead, Peter crucified upside down, John the Apostle boiled in oil, Man, let me tell you something. Those people had joy in those times because they have tapped into a different truth and they've meditated upon it long enough. They, and I don't want to just say long enough. They, they, they grabbed a hold of a truth that was more real than this world because they lived in real reality. They lived in reality and not in the manifestation of sin and the lie. Listen. <coughs> The, wo- the way this world is today, I'm talking about the, the, the corruption in this world and the decay in this world and, and just normal world, is a fruit of a lie. It's the produce of a lie believed. And now we make that our reality. Adam believed a lie. And he was deceived. And Satan is the father of lies. And he produced lies. And he said that you will be like God by knowing good and evil. And he lied. Adam believed that lie. Out of that lie, a curse came on the the ground. A curse came over man. 
man became sinful. Out of sin, uh, uh, things started to manifest in this world. Like, we find droughts, we find uh, poverty, we find sickness, we find all those type of things. Then Jesus Christ came and He said, let me reverse this whole thing. And the way I reverse this is this way. I come and I bring a truth into this world through the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ. And He reversed the whole thing. And the manifestation of the reversal of this is over a period of time. And the reason why it's over a period of time is clearly seen in Peter. Because God is not slack concerning His promises, but He wants that nobody will be lost, but that people will believe this, so that when He changes everything into the, when He reverses everything into this manifestation, or manifests the reversal that happened in the Spirit, that people that believe this will be part of this. He doesn't want people to be lost. That's why there's a tarrying, because it's His mercy. Okay? That's what the Scripture teaches. So, while God waits for people to believe this, we can't say, well, we don't see reversal of this thing, and then find our reality in the manifestation of what is not real, and that is a produce of a lie. If you do that, you are deceived. And you are playing with fire. What actually took place is this. I, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so I could be God's man. Christ's life, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to be a God man. I identified myself completely with Him indeed. I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Man, that is something. I like what Paul said here. And, and I've seen it so many times, you know. When, 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 uh, <clears throat> when, I, left, when I left the law system, now, under the law system, it is, you know, people, they, they, I've seen it, people under the law, they talk in a certain way. They dress in a certain way. You know, there's, there's, there's a certain um, hypocrisy that can be seen on the face of, of a lawman. And I am not, I don't care what the law people say. I, my ego is not central anymore. I don't care what they say. You know, if I, for instance, like motorbikes, I like it. And what other people say about that, I don't care. If I preach like this on a Sunday and I say, listen, you, um, you know, it's, it's not about running to church or tithing and those type of things, I don't care what people say about me or this ministry. It doesn't matter. I'm not there. And, and I, it's exactly what Paul says. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, I am no longer driven to impress God. What about impressing people and religious leaders? I, I, you know, this, this thing, and I, and I want to be honest with you guys about this, and I'm not against something, but listen, I want to preach the truth. You know, we get these man-made organizations, denominations, or, or networks, or whatever, and just so that you can have peace in your heart, I belong, or I'm part of a network, but it's a grace-based network. And I'm talking about law-based stuff now. 
being part of this law-based stuff, it's all about impressing the leader. You know, and who has visited with a leader? And at the conference, who spoke to him? And at the conference, the pastors go and check out who's driving what car and who's wearing what watch. You know, those type of things. And, and then some networks, I've seen, you know, they, they're just not like um, uh, uh, against those things. And then they will come with, don't care about these clothes and those type of things. But it's actually try to, trying to prove that they're not on the other side. And it's, it's not natural. Now, to me, it's like I said to somebody the other day, I said, I cannot, I cannot believe something and preach something just because somebody's got a big ministry. I cannot do that. That's foolishness. I can't say because somebody's raised 20 people from the dead. Well, now, you know, because he's raised something, so, so many people from the dead and he's also mixing the law now. Now, I'm just a follower of this man because he's raised 20 people from the dead. It's not in how many people he raised from the dead. It is, if I should die in the last day, will he be able to raise me? Who's the one that will be able to raise me in the last day? And that is Jesus Christ. And I want to be found not a law man, but a Christ man. God's men, God's people, not, not the law people. Law people will not be raised in the last day. Those who are in Christ, who died in Christ, will be raised in the last day. Those who stick with the gospel of the simple grace of God. So people, I want to say to you, Jesus Christ came to save the world through a simple gospel plan. He didn't come to make all religions right. That's not what He came to do. He came to, to, to bring salvation to all religions who was believing themselves unto death. That's what He came to do. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identify myself completely with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living now is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. It is, is, it, is it not clear to you um, that... Listen, so, sorry, sorry to this, uh, uh, the last verse there in the message. Is it not clear to you that to go back, on that rule, back to that rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. You crazy Galatians, did somebody put a hex on you? In other words, did they bewitch you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Christ in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? 
Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete their own efforts by what was begun by sorry, <coughs> for only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts that which was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect this? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? Is it not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up? Listen to this. Is it not yet a total loss? Oh, sorry. It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. So what he's saying is, it's not a total loss yet. So you are in the law, but you're still hammering on with, 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 with grace a little bit. You, you're still believing a bit, but you're going over, putting your focus on the law. He says it's not a total loss yet, but if you continue with this, it will be. A total loss. Paul says in, 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 in the uh, um, King James Version that I've labored for you in vain. That I actually would have just been as good as what I haven't cut. So what he's saying is let us not fall from the grace message back under the law. Because only in the grace boat there is salvation. Let me explain this to you. <clears throat> And I've said it so many times, I want to say it again. If you've got a little boat, and out in the deep ocean, 20 sea miles, that's about 40 kilometers, <coughs> out into the ocean, your boat sinks in freezing water. You've got 20 minutes to live. And while your little boat was sinking, you cried out, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. And there comes the lifesaver, with his nice, boat that can take the oceans that will not sink and for sure you will have life again on the shore. And He puts you in this boat. As long as what you are in that boat, resting in the salvation ability and the, 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 the skill of the driver of that boat, of the lifesaver, you are in a safe place, saved. But if you get out of that boat, you are back in the water in the place of death. Now you can get out of the boat, jump out of the boat, the boat is still there. Listen, it is not all over yet, because you can still get back into the boat. The boat is there to, to pick you up again. <clears throat> but you can die outside that boat, even if you've been in the boat. And the only way out of that boat like I said, you can be on the boat and smoke a cigarette to relax, you know. <laughs> You've almost died. Smoke a cigarette and you can maybe swear, say some swear words. You know, I almost did and did and did died, you know. No, no, no. On that salvation boat, you will still be saved. Because your sins cannot get you out of the boat. The only thing that can get you out of the boat is when your belief system changes and says that it's not in this boat, is no salvation. This boat is going down. I must by my own efforts bring forth salvation. The quicker I get out of this grace boat, the better let me by my own effort jump off this boat. That will kill you. 
So while you're on the boat, all the other people got on the boat that's talking about how awesome it is to have the salvation, fellowship with them, talk to them, listen to what they say, give your input, be encouraged in how wonderful this boat is that takes you to the shore and the shore representing your immortal body, eternal life in, 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 in a human body. You get there, but you got so deep in, it takes a while to get you to the shore, man. And don't jump off the salvation boat. And that salvation boat, we've got access into that boat through faith. That boat is, is belief in what God has done. So don't start to think of, you know, oh, you know <coughs> swimming can also help. If I just had my old boat, let me dive in and get my old boat. People, <coughs> we need to stick to this gospel of grace. Hebrews chapter 10. We end off with this. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's not neglect such a great salvation. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Elena, I want you to put it on for the people there. Is it possible? They're cut off. Okay. Um, Okay, Hebrews chapter 4. And from verse 1, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest the promised being left us of entering into the rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word, the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, the works of rest is finished from the foundation of the world. But we enter into that rest by faith. They that believe do enter into rest. And if you don't believe, I tell you, you'll find works in your heart. For he spoke in a certain place of a seventh day on this wise, and God did rest and um, rest the, se- the seventh day from all his work and in this place again if they shall enter into my rest seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein and they to whom it was first preached enter not because of unbelief again he limited a certain day saying in David today after such and such a long time as it is said today if you will hear his voice harden not your hearts for if Jesus had given them rest, uh, uh, um, if Jesus or Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? That would not Jesus, would Joshua. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let any man, let any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper into its sword, piercing even dividing asunder soul, spirit, joint and marrow. It comes to the deepest being of man to, to, to bring forth the right thoughts, the right belief and all those. It speaks to the depths of, of us. So people, let us just open our hearts to this awesome gospel of grace. Right. <coughs> So, there's a rest that remains for us and those that believe has entered into the rest of God.
those that believe has entered into the rest. And without belief, it's impossible. Now, I want to end up with this. Remember, belief is something that happens to you. You hear the gospel of grace. You feel that word in your heart. Oh, this is so awesome. This is so awesome. I see so many people. You, you, you're experiencing that faith and you're happy because you feel it. But it's also in your heart a place where you're still pondering upon the law and thinking about the law. And then there comes a place when you feel this persuasion in your heart, in your, in, in your heart like a couple that's in love and they experience that love and everything. And then comes a place where this emotion, this power is so strong where you say, let me give over to this and forever be married to this person. I want to encourage you to forever be married to Christ by saying this is the only way unto salvation. And believe it with all your heart. Amen and Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening to this. Um, You know, I know one thing and this is that God loves you unconditionally. If you've got any questions, please write to us at live at dynamicministries.com. It's also very encouraging for people to see the response that you have on this player under chat. So you can just click on chat. It will open up the chat. You can type in any comment you have there. If you've got a question, even type it in there. Um, you know, we will answer it for you. So remember the services, um, Monday, Tuesdays, uh, Thursdays and Fridays. Now, <coughs> I can't promise that we will have all the services in the time that I'm in the States. Uh, but, uh, you know, whenever I, I've got a time there, I will make it and we will advertise beforehand on the player when I will, when I will preach. We, I'll be leaving um, for the United States on Wednesday. Uh, on Wednesday, I'll be leaving for the United States. I'm going to preach there in a conference with Alan Spiegel and from there we're going to go to Vancouver area. We're going to preach there. So those of you that are in the United States in, the, in, in that area, just look, click on the... Um, itinerary there explains exactly where we're going to be uh, in uh, Canada, exactly where we're going to be, make an effort to get there. You know, I said to my wife, I said, I don't know why, you know, people want me to come and preach in a certain place. Uh, Can't they just listen to the CD? She says, listen, man, it's like listening to an an artist that sings, you know, and uh, now you you say, well, I'm going to listen to the CD, but there's a live show. So if you want to come and just hear this live, you can come. It will be wonderful to be there. Wonderful to lay my hands on you. Pray for you guys. Encourage you in the gospel of grace. Thank you that you listen. And remember this one thing. You can always enjoy the love of God.